Okay, so harvesting supplies. You're going to want to have some five-gallon buckets. This is what you're going to harvest most things into because that's, the, that's a good size. I also like to have two-gallon buckets handy because there are some things that are shorter and do well in a smaller bucket. So I get mine from Lowe's. They're very inexpensive and are easily accessible, so always have extra of those. Then snips or pruning shears. You can get those from Felco or um, AM Leonard. These are the ones that I have. They're needle nose, which can be kind of dangerous, but you can get some that, that aren't too. But having a good pair of snips is essential for making the harvesting go smoothly. And water, you want to have easy accessibility to water close to your field so you can fill your buckets up quarter way before taking them to the field. And now we're just going to discuss a little bit about vase life. We've talked about all these different flowers. And I want to go through some important factors in vase life. It's not, some people might think, well, it's all about like the floral preservative or whatever you put in the water after they're harvested. But there are some other things that are even more key to that. So the first one is stage of maturity. You want to make sure you're harvesting your blooms at the correct time so you get the longest vase life possible, the longest life for your flowers. And this is very, very important because you can do all the other things right, but harvest too late and then your flower only has a few days left of its life. Time of harvest, time of day, you want to harvest at the correct time and we're going to go into all of these things more. Clean buckets, clean snips, and post-harvest care. And those five things are are some of the top ones that are factors in your vase life. And if you follow these steps, you can have flowers that will last over a week with no flower food. So this is a, a resource. This is from floretteflowers.com. It was a resource that she had for free for quite a while. It's a it's a complete cut and care guide for 100 blooms, and this is exactly when you should harvest them and the best care for them after you harvest them. It is no longer on her website. When I went to put this together, I couldn't find it. So this is available for you all. It's, um, if you go to that link, you can download it, and it is a very comprehensive guide to when to harvest flowers. And this is just a really great thing to have around handy if we have a question on a certain flower. All the ones that we've gone through, I've tried to cover when you should harvest them, but there always pops one up that you, know, you don't remember or know when to harvest it. So this is a great thing to have just as a resource that you can reference back to. So some harvesting tips. As we already talked about, you want to harvest before blooms are fully open and before pollination. Because once the flowers are pollinated, that's what they live for. They live to go to seed. And so once the flowers are pollinated, they, they immediately want to produce seed and then they die. So you're wanting to harvest them before or as soon as you can um, before pollination. Second, always harvest in the cool of the day. Now, this could be evening or morning, whichever is your preference. I prefer harvesting in the evening. And if you harvest in the morning, it's, you really want to harvest after the dew has dried off the plants because if you're harvesting where there's dew, you can be spreading disease or the flowers don't do so well when they're wet and they're cut. So if you harvest in, in the morning, you have that challenge depending upon where you live and you know how dewy it is in the morning. So I prefer to harvest in the evening. As I already mentioned, use buckets and snips that have been thoroughly cleaned and ideally sanitized with bleach. I don't usually do this step, but a lot of, a lot of flower farmers do do the step of sanitizing their buckets with, with bleach. The, the rule of thumb is if you can't drink from your buckets. If you won't drink from your buckets, then your flowers shouldn't either. And clean buckets is one of, one of the biggest keys to having flowers that are going to last longer. And you don't have bacteria growing in the buckets and then sucking it up. So another harvesting tip, cut deep. I usually cut my stems about 18 inches, inches long and deadhead while you go. All of these flowers that we've talked about are, they're, um, beneficial to deadhead and one of the easiest times to do that is when you're harvesting you can you're just right there and you can just snap the heads off and 
it's easier than having to go back to the field and deadhead. So I usually do that while I go. Another thing that I do is strip the bottom two-thirds of the leaves off the stems. And this, um, this makes it easy so you're not dealing with all that excess foliage. You're in the field, you can just strip it off, drop it on the ground, and it just composts. You don't have to worry about, about the leaves. So it's easier to work with the stems that way. Also, the leaves are not in the water, and when the leaves are in the water, they usually are the first thing to rot and then cause your flower to go down as well. Just another efficiency tip, cut as many stems as you can hold before going back to the bucket. I usually have a huge arm load before going to my bucket to drop the stems off. And so take your bucket with the water to the field with you. Have it ready there so as soon as you're done harvesting a big bunch, you can put it right in the bucket. And then after you have a bucket full, you want to place them in a cool place with cool water. And this is important if you're out in the field. Maybe you have a tree that you can set them under. Um, if you're able to take them to the cooler soon after harvesting, that's also great. But have a time where they can just sit in the cool water in a cool location for several hours after you harvest before arranging. And that just that gets them hydrated. And then when you arrange, they're not quite as prone to wilting or that stress. So where to sell flowers? There's all kinds of options. First, I have farmer's markets. This is what I have done the most of. This is what I grew up doing, vegetables. We go to farmer's markets. And it really is a great way to start. You get yourself out there. You get to meet people. You make connections. One of the best ways to sell your product is through those connections that you make, the word of mouth. So it's a great place to start. Um, but depending upon your market, where you know, how good your farmer's markets are. There's a lot of things, you know, that might not, might not be where you want to stay. It could be a starting place for you, a, a good place to make connections. Another way that a lot of people are selling their flowers is through flower CSAs. And if you're familiar with this in the vegetable world, it's the same with the flowers. People just buy a subscription. They want a bouquet every week. And I wasn't intending to do this this year because I didn't want the stress of having to have a bouquet every week for somebody and um, you know having them having already paid for the season. I've been through that with the vegetables. I'm like, I'm not going to do that with the flowers. I'm just going to take them to market. But come Mother's Day, I had so many people begging me to please let us buy a subscription that I can give to my wife for Mother's Day, please. So I finally consented to two guys who bought their wives subscriptions to my flower CSA for the season and I was like I don't have anything to give you I mean I don't have like a card or anything and they're like oh no we'll just tell her and you know come by the booth and so their wives came by my booth every week to get a bouquet the funny thing is between them not coming or their husband not showing up to pick up the bouquets they probably only got 60 percent uh, you know they came 60 percent of the time or something and you know I was you know, that was just their loss. I mean, I was sorry for them that they didn't come by, but I had few enough that um, I could just have the bouquets there in the bucket, and if they showed up, they could take their pick. If they didn't show up, it sold to somebody else. So um, the CSA option seems to really appeal to people. They like the idea of having the surprise of giving, getting a bouquet every week and having it different, and it's also a great gift for guys. They, they see it as, oh, well, I'm going to give my wife a whole summer of blooms instead of just one bouquet. So it, is, it seems to be something that really appeals to people. And you know, unlike we talked about with vegetables, if you have a tomato crop failure, that can really affect your CSA and how people feel about it. But that is a great thing with flowers. There is always something that you can put a nice bouquet together with. So if you're going to be at Farmer's Market every week, I would encourage you, you know, why not just try that? You know, you could, you could have a few shares, and that's a consistent thing that you know whether other people come. Hopefully, your CSA members will come and you have those already sold. So that is something to think about. Businesses, there's different businesses you can go in and just see if, if their employees want bouquets or if they want bouquets up at the front. There's so many different options. Grocery stores, they can be a little bit harder to get into, but some of the smaller ones are definitely a possibility. And finally, events and weddings, which Carol Sikora is going to talk a little bit more about with her demonstrating in her arranging class 
about the events and weddings. I have not, not gotten into that as of yet, um, but that's where a lot of flower farmers make their money is in weddings. So there's, there's many other possibilities, but that just gives you a few ideas of ways that you could move your flowers. So market bouquet supplies. So because I am focused mostly on farmer's market, that's what I'm going to talk about. And so these are the supplies that I use for market bouquets. Um, rubber bands, I use size 32, and I just get those from Office Depot. I use craft paper, and I'm going to show you a little later. But these are, these are the rolls that I get. I, I just get them from Lowe's. They're 18 inches tall. Um, if I... I would probably, if I'm doing larger quantities, I'm probably going to start using U-line. You can get actual sheets already cut the right size. So those are two places. And, you know, there are other options for wrapping your bouquets or getting sleeves. But the craft paper look has that homespun, and people are really drawn to it. And it's easier, it's easier to do. It's easy to just get supplies that you can make that look without like buying fancy sleeves that have your name on them or whatever. So what I have is I actually have stickers with my logo. So I wrap them with craft paper and stick the sticker on with my logo, and it's a very fast, easy thing. But it makes the, the bouquets look professional, and it makes them easy to grab at market because they're wrapped, it protects the flowers and transport and just makes them all around more desirable. So floral preservative, I've told you the ways that you can extend your flower life as long as possible, but depending upon where you're selling, you might want to consider using some, some floral preservatives. I This summer was actually the first time I had used any. Um, I've had so many people come up and say, you know, my bouquet from last week still looks perfect, and people were still were buying and saying how long they were lasting without anything. So I decided, you know, I'm not going to use it unless I need to use it. And at that point, everybody was just commenting on how long my bouquets lasted. So, but in our area, it gets really hot in the summertime. I go to market in the middle of the summer, and oftentimes my canopy is in the sun. And so because of those factors, I decided I was going to start using a transport and display solution. And I actually got it from Chrysol. Um, I actually found a floral wholesaler in the Nashville area where I live, and I just went to the wholesaler, just bought a, it just comes in a container with a pump, and I just bought that to use um, for the, for just transport and display. And it also helped if I did have any flowers left over after market. It helps the water not get yucky in the cooler if they sit a few days. We kept the water clean. So that is, that is definitely a good option. If you're selling to florists, it's important to make sure that you have some sort of preservative in the water because the florist is going to keep them for probably longer than your consumer is. The consumer is not going to see it as soon if, if it goes to the florist first. So if you go to Chrysol.com, you can see some different options, and one of them is Chrysol tea bags. And this is what several farmers have told me they use for their florists, because instead of just putting like a solution in that the florist can't tell is there, if there's a tea bag floating on the surface of the water, then the florist knows, oh, these have floral preservatives. And it makes them think better of the product and helps them think they're going to last longer and everything, even if it could have been there some other way. So. That's a good option if you're dealing with florists. And there's several, there's all kinds of floral preservatives for different, different things. If you're wanting to just sit in the cooler longer or there's all different, different kinds and you can just see what's available and evaluate your market and what you really need to do. Because if you don't need to use it, don't use it. So we're going to go through just a few tips for making market bouquets. And Carol's going to demonstrate doing more for like arrangements, um, for events, so jars, and we're going to see what she's going to do. I'm really excited to see. But for farmers markets, these are some of my tips. So you want to choose a location for arranging that does not have direct sunlight and stays cool. And how I do it, I'm actually going to. This is a picture of. One of my setups arranging is just in our barn. It's in a place that's 
um, cool. It's not. It's out of direct sunlight. So I just have some tables set up there, and I have all my flowers in buckets. So I can just go along the line and pick the flowers that I want, and I can take them out of the buckets. So there's that option. Or as you get faster, the most efficient way is to lay your flowers in stacks on the table so you're not having to pull them out of a bucket and then getting snagged with another flower or something, but having them stacked outside of the bucket on the table. But you can only do that if you're fast enough to keep, get those in arrangements and in your bucket of water before they're going to wilt. But that's, that's what you're going to strive for is having it so you can have this full table full of flowers that you can just go along and grab because that's the fastest, most efficient way. And so I use five to seven different flowers or fillers per bouquet. And we've talked about all kinds of flowers that you can grow, and they're all beautiful. But if you put just one of 15 different kinds in a bouquet, it's going to be a bit chaotic and not draw the eye as much. So I try to have five to seven different fillers or flowers that I combine in one bouquet. So that, that gives it so that if I have, say, 20 different varieties or 15 different varieties, then I have different combinations I can do and every bouquet is a little different instead of putting everything in one bouquet. And along the same lines, I try to, try to stick to two or three main colors. Um, so you can see in this bouquet, it's kind of like the reds and the yellows and then I have this pop of purple, but surrounding it are more light. You have greens and whites, but more ones that just can complement the main colors. So don't put every color in your arrangement. You know, each variety will come in different colors. Choose if you're going to if you're going to choose like a pink and white bouquet, you can use different shades of pink or but try to do sometimes less color actually draws the eye more than if you have too much and it's kind of overwhelming. So Choose two to three main colors, five to seven different flowers or fillers per bouquet. And as we already talked about in an earlier one, remember the key aspects to a bouquet. You want to have focal. You've got to have your flower that really catches people's eye. And in this bouquet, it's probably not the most perfect example. I have a big yellow poppy that's kind of cut off, but um, I have also the ranunculas, and I have a foxglove there that's going to open up. So you want to have a flower, a focal flower that's going to really catch people's eyes. In the summer bouquets, I love to use sunflowers as a focal flower or something that's big and bold that really catches people. And then you want to have filler, stuff that's more subtle but um, is going to fill out that bouquet and make it nice and, and big. And oftentimes, you know, your focal ones are maybe your more expensive ones or the ones that you, you can't afford to put a ton of, but your filler ones, you can, you can fill in with those varieties and it'd be a full lush bouquet but not have as many of your, like, specialty things. Like if you're dealing with a dahlia, like I only put, like, one or two dahlias per bouquet, but I can put tons of, of zinnias or something that's, you know, less, um, that's easy to grow and abundant. So remember, focal, filler, spike, something that sticks out of the bouquet, grabs people's attention, and then something that has an airy element. And this one I have some love and a mist that's just kind of has that whimsical feel. People are really drawn to the wildflower look these days, something that's loose and airy and that's not your typical rose-tight bouquet. And approximately... I do about 15 to 20 stems of okay, and just really try to keep it loose. So ranging, you know, it, ta it takes some time to figure out the feel of it and how, and how you can have it in your hands and keep it loose, but just that, have that goal to not hold it too tight, to keep it loose and have it, have it big. And then you want to, after you have your, your bouquet arranged, you want to cut the stems to the shortest stem length. So this is, this is kind of harsh at the beginning if you haven't been careful cutting all of your stems long and then you get to this one that you skimped on and you cut short and that means that you have to cut your whole bouquet short. And so that, that teach in and of itself teaches you to cut your stems longer and to not have that happen. And if you look at bouquets that you get in a, a supermarket or someplace, they have long stems, and that's considered more of a professional look. And if you get something at farmer's market that's just a little short, you know, sometimes people like that if they have a little arrangement, but for the most part, longer stems is considered more professional.
So, and then you're going to want to put it in a sleeve or wrap in paper for protection. So I'm just going to show you um, how I wrap mine. And I have this terrible little bouquet that I bought because I don't have any flowers. But So I take my roll. Yeah, so this is how I do it using the roll of craft paper from Lowe's. Now, like I said, for doing larger amounts of bouquets, you're going to want to look into a solution that's probably faster. And like I'm looking into getting the sheets from Uline. They're very inexpensive. But this is something easy. And if you're just starting out, it's super cheap. You can just get one roll at a time. If you run out one week, you can just pick it up at Lowe's the next. So it's just really easy. So I take it and I pull it out about that far. And then I tear it. I used to cut it, but it took too long. So then I actually fold it like this. You can see I fold it over itself. It's hard to see because it's been on the roll. It's a bit crinkly, but yeah. I fold it over itself like this. And then I take my bouquet, which this is a tiny, tiny bouquet, but I lay it in there and I actually kind of do it on my leg, but I can't show you that. I have my little ways I do it. But then I just wrap it around like this. And then I have, since this one is so tiny, it's wrapping around more than I normally would. And the stickers usually come off easier than this. And so then I take my sticker and I just stick it there like that. And it's normally on the front, but this is a tiny little bouquet. So that's how I do it. So it's, it's using simple things that you can just get at Lowe's that are easy. The sticker, I, I don't know if I said where we get them, but it was on the slide, yeah. So I get them from Sticker Mule. Um, just they come on a roll like this. It's super easy. You just des design it, and then you have a whole a roll for all summer. So that's I do my market bouquets. So now we're going to go into market display supplies. So if you're not familiar with farmers markets, these are some of the things that you're going to need for most markets. There are some indoor markets where you wouldn't need a canopy, but for most of them you're going to be needing a canopy. I got off of Amazon, I got a caravan canopy. It's Titan shade 10 by 10 and it's a straight-legged one. They have some that the legs kind of bow out. This is the one that I got. It's probably it's more like lower mid for the price price range. But I was very, very pleased with the quality this season. We usually have several storms through the season that might come through at market time, and a lot of people lose their canopies. But mine, I was, I was just hoping it was going to stay strong because on, in the farm, we like buy these heavy-duty ones that are you know, $1,000 that are commercial, and you know that's not going anywhere. And I was like, you know, I'm not going to put that up right now to... I'm not going to pay that much. So I found this one, and I was very pleased with the quality and how it lasted for, for the money. And I could get several more seasons out of it, which is a blessing. And you also don't want to forget your canopy weights. That's an essential part, because if you don't have your canopy weighted down and you do have a gust of wind, your canopy's gone. And we have seen that happen over and over again. So another thing that's important is to have a sign with your logo or your name, and mine is in full color. We, it's four feet by eight feet, it's vinyl. And we got it from Got Print. We designed it ourselves, but got it printed at Got Print for $80, which is pretty reasonable. It's very high quality um, color, edge to edge. It's a real attention grabber. It rolls up, it has grommets at the corners. Well, it has it all along, actually. No, it just has it in the corners. So I just use bungee cords to attach it to the canopy and it's it's tight on the back. So there's different different sizes you could do. Some people do more long narrow ones that just have their name or you know you can be creative, but having something that people can see at a distance and that to you is important. Nice buckets or containers. I use metal buckets for 
my look. And I got those from Tractor Supply Company and Hobby Lobby. But you can, you can just choose what, what do you want to display your flowers in. Um, and there's, there's many options that you can choose from. Price tags, I actually, because I was using metal buckets, I found some strips of magnet at Hobby Lobby, and I just cut them the size that I want, and they actually just stick right to the buckets. So it was really handy for me. I didn't have to have any other accessories to keep the price tags up there. And yeah, so and they were so they were not only magnet, but it was a chalkboard finish, a chalkboard paint. So I just use a chalkboard pen and write on it, and I can erase it, use it again next week, puts a different price on it, and it's just really easy. Just sticks on the buckets. The last thing, chalkboard and pens. Um, I usually have a chalkboard. I have a picture coming up. I have a chalkboard out in front that says what I have, says my name, you know, the prices, so people can see it without coming right into the canopy. This is a picture of one of my markets in the spring. And you can see I have the buckets of, of flowers in the front, but then I also have a lot of buckets in the back that I'm creating bouquets there on the spot. I am arranging more to fill the buckets as they sell, and I'm also doing custom arrangements for people that come and they want a specific color. But I also let other people arrange as well. Like if, if they come, and some people aren't comfortable with that, but I feel like it's a really neat opportunity for people to get their hands on flowers and have that experience. I'll have you know mother-daughters come, and it's kind of like their little date to arrange their flowers together. And so they can just come to the side and just pick the flowers that they want from the buckets. And I usually, you know, you might have a few stems break, but it's, it's not a big deal. And I, I enjoy that relationship. So that's kind of my, my stand sort of morphs normally. This picture doesn't show it, but normally I would have arrangements in front, some mason jar arrangements. Um, but that week I either didn't have them made or didn't have them out. So just some more farmer's market tips. Have a long tablecloth. This is just a simple thing, but can really make your stand look more attractive. And if, if you have it long, you can have it go almost to the floor in the front. And that's a place where you can hide all your, your bins or the accessories that you need there, but you don't have to have everybody see. And if you don't have the tablecloth long enough, then it just has kind of this messy look. And a lot of, a lot of the booths around me, they don't have that. And I feel like it's, it's just a little thing that you can do to make your stand more attractive, is to have a long tablecloth. And also choose a solid or non-distracting pattern so that people's eyes are really drawn to your product and not your tablecloth. So multi-level display. You can see here in this picture, I normally have at least two boxes, wooden boxes that I turn upside down and I put my bins on or my buckets on top of that with the bouquets. So it gives kind of the multi-level appearance and also you can see the flowers in the back if they're up. So it doesn't look like just this flat field of flowers. People can really see what's back behind there. So I try to have several layers. Um, create look of abundance. If you have lots of flowers, um, put, put them all out there. You know, Even if they're not all arranged, I try to have all my buckets so people can see them. So my stand looks like it's full of flowers even if they're not all arranged and in their sleeves. And also make bouquets easy to grab. That's why I like to have the sleeve around them, something where people can just grab it and it's not, they're not worried about like breaking a stem or, or messing up the display. And it's, you don't want people to feel like they're messing up your beautiful display. So you have to have it attractive, but yet you don't want them to have to move something to get to a bouquet or feel like they're gonna knock something over, have it a little too precarious. So make it easy and use price tags. People don't like to have to ask what you're charging. And so put it out there so they don't have to have that uncomfortableness of asking. So price tags that are easy to read. Also, having multiple price points is, is preferable to people. They like to have an option to choose, okay, what am I gonna spend today? So even if you don't have that many flowers, try to see how you can arrange them or present them in a way that you can have multiple price points. So I sell my bouquets for $15, so I have that price point option. I also sell, you know, and depending, the season changes, so you have different flowers at different times. So my straights, which are the, 
the bouquets that only have one kind of flower in them, it, it depends on what's in them. If it's a dahlia, we kind of talked about dahlia prices, but you're looking at $10 for that straight bunch. If it's gonfrina or zinnias, I have a lot that I put on an $8 price point. And then I'll have marigolds, which is my least expensive one, I'll have those for $6. So there's something for everybody. You know, if it's a little kid that just has a few dollars, they can still buy something and not it not be as big of a purchase. Also, I do mason jar arrangements. I think having multiple options. Some weeks, the mason jar arrangements sell really well. Some weeks, I sell way more bouquets. So it's just, it's kind of a, a give and take. And so the mason jar arrangements, I actually usually do at market, just because transportation's kind of tough if you're taking jars and you have flowers. And so I'll have bouquets pre-made and then I'll do my mason jar arrangements there at market. And those I sell, you know, and every market is different. So you have to kind of just see what your market is going to handle. And I, every year, I've upped my prices a little bit. And it's handling that fine. So you just have to kind of play with it. So my, my court mason jars arrangements, I sell them for $16. Depending upon what I, what I have in them, sometimes they're even more. Sometimes I'll do $18. My pints, I do for $12. And... Lots of weeks I'll do half pints, or my minis, and I sell those for $8. And sometimes, you know, it depends on your arranging. So sometimes you can do an arrangement faster, sometimes you can do a bouquet faster, depending upon what flowers you're working with and what, what you like to do better. So um, I usually have, for the amount of flowers, I have my arrangements priced a little bit higher than my bouquets because it takes a little bit extra time to do those, and they get the jar, they get to keep, which a lot of times people bring them back anyways. So my last point is use Square. And if you're not familiar with Square, check it out. It's a, it's a program, an app that you can use to um, take credit cards for free. It also has an amazing setup where it will keep track of what you sell. So you can have, at the end of the season, you can have an amazing database and know exactly what you earn from every thing that you sold. So that's a, a great thing. I don't have time to go into it now. We've done a past presentation on more about how to use Square, but if you're not familiar, check it out, and I would definitely highly recommend using Square. Most people want to pay with credit cards these days, and if you don't have a way to take that, you're missing out on sales. A few more farmer's market tips. Learn names and create relationships. It's, it's all about getting to know people. They want to buy from people that they know. They want to buy from their friends. And so get to know get to know them, and you'll have repeat customers. And so get to know the ones that come week after week. And also get customers to linger. This is, this is something that people, are, people want to go to a booth that other people are at because it tells them they have something worth checking out. And if you don't have anybody there, it takes a while to, for people to venture over to you if you don't have anybody there. So you want to figure out ways to keep your customers there longer. And one simple way that does this um, very naturally is having different color themed bouquets or having each bouquet different. So people spend quite a bit of time at my booth deciding, after they've decided they're going to buy, looking at every last bouquet, which one that they want to take. And so that kind of, and during that time that they're looking, you can kind of talk to them, get to know them. But as they're there, that's going to draw other people there as well. So another Another nice facet to having bouquets that are different, unique, have different elements. Earlier we talked about having amaranth and the coral fountain that look like dreadlocks hanging out of the bouquets. You know, having unique things like that that grabs people's attention and they want to, they want to look and see which one they want best. And another great thing is if you have your bouquets um, nicely wrapped like that, People love to carry them around and show them to other people. So if I sell them at market, I'll usually see them circle around as they go visit other booths. And that brings other people to your, your booth. And I'll, I'll say, oh, I saw uh, somebody will come and be like, oh, I saw somebody with a bouquet and it had this in it. And I had to come check it out. Or I wanted to get one myself. And so if you have it in an attractive way, they're going to enjoy showing it to others. And that just brings you more sales. So promote your brand and name with attractive signage. We've already kind of covered that, but you want people to attach what they get to you. You know, when they take their flowers home, you want them to remember that they got it from local blossoms and not from just some random place. And then 
if you have your name attached to it and somebody comes over and they see their flowers and they're like, oh, where did you get this? They know where they got it because of the brand that went with it. So the question is about certified organic with my flowers. You know, I'm still growing on the farm, which has been certified organic up until actually this year. And we're not because of wanting to do extra mineralization that you can't do when you're certified organic, um, but it's kind of beyond organic. So at this point, people rarely ask me if my flowers are organic because they're not eating them. They're more drawn to the local aspect, the fact that I grew them myself, the fact that they're so fresh, varieties that they've never seen before. So that's what's drawing people more than the organic. Uh, people are actually, they more equate local with organic. So almost local has more impact than organic because organic doesn't necessarily mean that it came from your farm. So I think depending upon your market, you know, if you're selling to a superstore, you know, like Whole Foods, you know, they require organic certification oftentimes. So depending upon your market, whether that is necessary or not. So marketing, create a professional brand SaaS look and make it represent you. So we do all our own design. We do our design for the stickers, banner, any, any presentational material that we do. But if you, need, if you need help with that, you know, it's really important to have a logo, have a brand that looks professional and that people aren't just going to think that you just, you just brought it from your backyard. Like you want it to be professional and to draw people. So if you need help with that, um, I would suggest checking out 99designs. It's a great place to kind of get some options and you can get some professional help that's less expensive than finding a designer, a specific designer to work with. And it's usually worth your time and, and money. And that's great to do when you're beginning your business so that you can carry on the consistency of your, your name or your logo or your look. And as we already said, people connect to people. They connect to stories. So you want to be able to tell your story, tell, tell why flowers are meaningful to you. You know, like my, my pop-up grew dahlias, and he loved dahlias and he would bring me tubers and he would try to get me to plant them and when I was younger I just wasn't interested but you know those kind of stories that you have of why you love the flowers that you love or why why a specific flower is meaningful to you or why do you like this color or you know share about yourself share your story and it usually brings out other people's stories as well so people will come and tell me my grandmother grew dahlias or she grew this or and so then you make that personal connection with them and also get your products out to people, even if you're giving it away at first. You know, when you're just starting and people don't know who you are, they don't, they don't know how good your product is, don't be fearful to just give away some bouquets. Share bouquets with your neighbors, your friends, and that's one great way to get your product out there to help people know um, about you and what, sh what you're doing. And the last thing is use Instagram or Facebook. And that might be intimidating for some of you, but especially with flowers, as we've already said, it's a photo, it's a purely aesthetic thing. And so it's very important that you are putting your flowers out there where people are seeing and you have the beautiful pictures. So just a few tips for Instagram particularly, which is where I would encourage anybody to start. You know, starting with like a website or even Facebook can sometimes be intimidating. But Instagram is has a much simpler way. Uh, it's much easier to use. And so for just for starting, especially, it's a great it's a great place to start to get your your name out there, your flowers out there, and for people to see them. So keep your feed professional looking and post only your best photos. And the next session, we're actually going to be talking about photography and the importance of that and how to take really good pictures of your, your product, whether that's flowers or anything else. But take good pictures and make sure the ones that you're putting out there are your best ones. Now, Instagram has something that's called Instagram Stories. And if you're not familiar with that, that's more of a live. They only last for 24 hours. And it's often more used like, uh, this is what I'm doing today, or you know, this is, this is what my flower looks like, or you can do pictures or videos. But if you want to show more behind the scenes stuff, f use Instagram stories 
because that's where if people are really interested in what you're doing, they'll watch your story. But if it's just a florist or something that sees what you want to do, they don't want to go to your feed and see your tubers. They want to see your flowers. So just make sure that your feed is something that will attract business and not, you know, it's not just for like your family to see what you're doing today or what you're eating or. So another thing is follow local florists. Do some research, see who is in your area, in your city where you might be marketing, and follow those florists. And what I do is I follow a bunch of the florists that are in my area, and you know, this would work for anything, whether you're selling vegetables or something else. Find out who's doing those, who you want to market to, and follow them. And any time a florist follows me back, that tells me, oh, they are interested in what I'm doing. So what I do then is I send them a private message. I send them a message, I introduce myself, I say, hey, this is what I'm doing, this is what I'm offering, you know, would you be interested? And that kind of opens up the door to go further. So don't, don't uh, just leave it at, I'm gonna follow this person or they're gonna follow me. Engage in them, send out that, that message to say, this is what I'm doing and you know, would you be interested or, or let's, let's talk about this further. And then another thing just on the, I guess the business or the, the farming side of it, follow other flower farmers or depending upon what you do, whether it's something else, follow people in your area, in your region, people who um, you can see what they're growing. I've learned about a lot of new varieties just from other people that I see their pictures and oh, that flower is so pretty, I'd like to grow that too. And I know that they're either in my region or you know, if it's growing well for them, it should grow well for me too. And also if you are dabbling with design, you know, follow people who you like their design style. And also find floral hashtags in your area. If you're not familiar with hashtags, what it is is it's, um, you can see the, the pound symbol and then you can say whatever after that. So like say Nashville flowers or Nashville florist. Well, what it does is it takes, if you hashtag, if you tag your photo Nashville florist, it puts it in a folder with all the other people who have tagged their their photos, Nashville florist. So it, it's, a, it's a great way to connect with people and I think this is how florists are often finding people is through these hashtags because it's, it creates a collective of people who are using them and so there's, there's different ones specific to your area. So for me, Nashville florist is one that people are looking at, people are posting to, the florists are posting to, they're, they're looking, they're finding other people who are growing. So it's really important to find the hashtags that are relevant to your area. It's good to use generic hashtags too. I did some research on like what are the top floral hashtags and I use those as well, just a broad, um, some broad hashtags, but also do some research on the local ones. And the best way to find out what those are is to find the florists, see what they are posting, what hashtags they're using. Or if there are other farmers in your area that are selling to florists, just see what's out there and do a little bit of research. But that's how you can get your photos out so they're being seen. Because if you don't use hashtags, then it's just by chance they're going to stumble across you because they're gonna to have to come to your profile, somebody, you know, it's, it's more complicated, but if you use hashtags, it's like a direct link to you and to your photos. And also, if you post your hashtags in a comment, it, it does better with algorithms because Instagram likes to see that there's comments. And also, another thing that I didn't mention, but if you have a Facebook, you can link your Instagram with your Facebook. And, and if you post on Instagram, it automatically goes to Facebook. But Facebook doesn't appreciate hashtags, so they're not gonna promote your post as much if it has hashtags in it. So if you do your hashtags in a comment, it's just a simple thing that um, lets Facebook have their post without the hashtags, lets Instagram have an additional comment, which is gonna get them to push it further, and it just is a, just a little tip for the process. So another thing, show yourself, yourself and not just your flowers. You know, your flowers are beautiful, but like we've said, people really connect to people. They really want to see you and with your flowers. Another flower farmer, said that she always tries to make sure she has a picture of herself in the top nine 
because the top nine photos you can see in, in this slide, the top nine photos kind of create a square and that's what people see on their phone when they go to your page or to your, your profile. So she, wa she wants to always make sure that she has a picture of herself in that top nine so that people can see and not have to go down too far to see who's growing these flowers. Think of your viewer when you post. You know, people in this day and age, they, they, social media is a big thing. They follow a lot of people. So you want to make sure that you're giving content that's valuable, that people appreciate, that they find helpful in their day. So try not to always be posting about some flower that you're selling, or I'm here selling flowers, or come buy this bouquet. Give content that is going to connect with people, whether it's a little story about yourself that they might resonate with, or some a quote or something that they might find valuable to their day because then they're going to appreciate that and follow you more because you're adding to their life and not subtracting by photos that are just draining them from all the other photos that they're seeing. So in social media time savers, now Instagram and social media can be a huge time waster. And so especially when you're doing it as a business, you really have to make sure that it is, it's profitable and that you're not spending too much time and getting sucked into that and you're, you're viewing it as part of your business and keeping to that. So here are just a few tips. Prepare photos and content ahead of time and set, it, set aside you know, a couple hours a week, however much time you feel is necessary to put together your content, put together your photos. So like if you do that once a week, then you'll have your posts for the week whether you're going to post two times or three times, whatever you can do, the more posts, the better almost. I mean, obviously don't blow up people's feeds, but you know, if you're able to post a, a few times a week, that is great. But sometimes it's, it's hard to, on the spot, come up with a content, find your photo, get it all ready. So if you devote a certain amount of time, whether that's once a week or every other week, to kind of get your post ready, know what you're going to say, and have your photo picked out, that can save you time. And then you're, you don't have to think about that part of it. And then for hashtags, instead of having to think about it every single time, what I do is I just have a list of hashtags that I use, and I have that in a notes folder on my phone. So then I just copy and paste. I don't even have to think about the hashtags. I use pretty much the same ones every single time. It's just a copy and a paste straight in there. So it's just another little time saver that can help you. And then don't follow too many people because the more people that you follow, the more people that you're going to feel the need to look at their stuff and then that's a way that you can, the time can just slip away and a lot specific times for it. Just some little things so that Instagram or Facebook or other social media can be a business booster and not a time waster. Some resources. A lot of these I've already mentioned, 99designs.com, gotprint.com. I get my stickers from stickermule.com. These are the places that we have found with the best prices, the best, the best quality product, and the easiest to work with. Just a general marketing guide. Um, I really enjoy Business Boutique. It's, uh, it's kind of a movement created by a Christian woman focusing for other Christian women. And it's, it's about business and finding your talents and um, focusing on those and being able to, to um, give people things that are going to enhance their lives but also be a business venture as well. So she has a book called Business Boutique and I also love listening to her podcast. So just on general like marketing, she has a lot of stuff on social media, whether it's like managing your money, starting the business, all those like those little nitty gritty details. Um, it's a great, it's a great resource. Her book kind of goes step by step on how you start a business from from ground zero and the things to make it successful. So it's not about flowers, but it's just those business principles in general. Also, the Business Handbook. This is a book that's available at the Adagar booth. It is focused towards vegetable growers, um, towards the farming industry, so it's a bit more relatable on that aspect, but just practical how-tos on business. The ASCFG, I've talked about that, but the Association of Specialty Cut Flower especially cut flower growers. Check that out if you're really serious about doing this as a business. Um, the Flower Farmer book, Cut Flower 
garden growing for market is another resource it's a magazine that comes out once a quarter but it has a it has a column in it specifically about flowers and doing it as a business so that's another one and then the farmer to farmer podcast slow flower podcast so those are just a few things to get you going and as i already mentioned the books that i have shared the resources that i've shared they will be available at the adagra booth so you can um, check them out there so we have a few minutes we can do for questions if anybody has questions and take a break before our next class okay a good question about the paper and if it gets wet i try to you know my my buckets they only have about a quarter water so my water is hopefully only going to be coming to here. But in transport, it sometimes happens that the water will splash up and get them wet. And if it is too bad, I will just at market rewrap them. You know, it's, it's a pretty, it's a, it's simple, it's not, it's not a very complicated thing, just takes a little, just a few seconds to just rewrap them if they're bad. But for the most part, it might get wet, but by the time I get to the market or by the time the customer gets it, it's already dry. So that's just one thing. Another thing that I do is I'll ask the people if they are going home pretty quick. And if they're not, then I put a little bit of water in a bag, put it at the end, kind of like a fish, <laughs> put a rubber band around it, and send it home with them that way. And they, I've had so many people comment on that that they really appreciate that. And even if they don't necessarily need that it makes them feel good like their flowers are, are yeah <laughs> they're special and taken care of so well thank you all for coming and the next class will be in 15 minutes i believe I get confused on my time but that'll be on photographing your blooms this media was brought to you by audioverse a website dedicated to spreading god's word through free sermon audio and much more if you would like to know more about audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.